your partner was, God forbid, in a car accident and, you know, was now have to be in a hospital bed and couldn't do anything for themselves, you could see that. And you'd understand that you basically, as exhausting as it is, you would have to be the one to get the meals and to do all the chores and, you know, sort of take over. You know, with a mental illness, you can't see it. This week, what do you do if you or your spouse are dealing with depression? What if you're not sure? Dr. Karen Sherman has answers. Stay tuned. We all live busy, busy lives, and finding time to reconnect can be a big pain, which is why we created the Hitched Wine Club, the only wine club for couples. What does that mean? That means not only do you get amazing wine delivered to your door or office, but you also get exclusive date ideas within each shipment. There are no membership fees. We offer 100% guarantee on every bottle. We have free shipping on all of the wine club levels, and we have different levels for different price points. And we work with more than 300 different wine clubs. So it's almost like you join 300 for the price of one. And many of these wines you can't get anywhere else other than the winery or their exclusive wine club. So go to hitchmag.com, click the wine club link, and see how we can give you back just a little small piece of time to reconnect and hopefully inspire you to do more. Again, that's hitchmag.com. Click the wine club link on the homepage to learn more. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. So Karen, for those tuning in for the first time, is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is an author uh, having written the books Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Uh, Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Karen has her own show on Wednesdays called Take 5 to Empower Your Relationship. And you can get more information about all of these things at her website, drkarensherman.com. And with that out of the way, let's talk depression, Karen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh this is a topic that we were both really surprised that we had never we've discussed it i believe in the past but we've never addressed it head on mm-hmm. which you said was kind of depressing yeah uh, and i think it's yeah. important you know it's important a lot of people experience depression and and it's important that we educate about this yeah i think that was the kind of the, the surprising thing is we know how big of an issue it is and the fact that we've never taken it with a full episode is, is a little disappointing. I, I, I take a little bit of responsibility, a lot of responsibility for that. But with that being said, we are finally getting around to it. So let's do this. And by the way, I, I will uh, say this, we do have articles on our website that do discuss depression. So if you want even more or uh, different information, um, all good, <laughs> uh, you can go to our website, hitchedmag.com and do a little search. Uh, we've got some good stuff there as well. So, um, how do you know if your spouse is clinically depressed? Mm -hmm. Okay, so 
Um, if we look at the way we diagnose actual depression, um, we look for the following things. Everybody periodically has a bad mood um, or feels down. But if you are having a downcast mood consistently, and I want to stress that word, consistently for two weeks straight. So let's say that even for a two-week period, you've had a couple of bad days, but in that two-week period, there were days that were fine, then you're not going to meet the definition. So consistently for two weeks, you've had a downcast mood. Um, there's been probably some changes in your eating habits, um, possibly in your sleeping habits. Um, you don't have to have all of this, but you know mm -hmm. there might be a change in one of those. Uh, your energy level, you don't have much motivation. Uh, your uh, thinking or concentration could be impacted. Then we're likely to say that you are clinically depressed. Okay, so two weeks is is the marker of time duration mm -hmm. going along with some of those um, behaviors that you mentioned. Correct. And as you were describing this, I actually remembered when we had discussed this in the past. Mm -hmm. It was when we talked about um, the loss of some significant person in your life. Ah, uh, yes. And yes. we were discussing whether it's mourning or is it depression or the two the same thing. So anyways... Uh, if you are in a situation where you have lost a loved one, whether it's a parent, a sibling, a spouse, um, and you want to know some of the more nuances between grieving and depression, we have discussed that. Go to our archives, hitchmag.com. There's a podcast link on our homepage, uh, and you will find that there. Or Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you listen to this. So search our, search our archives. All right. So as long as you bring that up, Steve, okay. let me just continue with the clarification for a moment. Grief looks a lot like depression, but it is not depression. Um, and many people feel like, you know, I, I shouldn't be feeling this way, but it is very normal uh, when you have lost somebody who's significant to you to go through a grieving process because you need that to heal. And so don't be alarmed if you have those feelings of loss and grief um, because that, as I said, is part of what you need to go through in order to heal from the loss. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm glad you made that clarification there. Uh, so, you know, we, so we talked about uh, two weeks duration, this behavior where you're uh, changing eating habits, for example, uh, bad things happen in life. Um, people do go through slumps where mm -hmm. you just feel like, damn, I can't catch a break. Everything that I'm doing is flipping in the opposite direction of how I want it to turn out. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference between being clinically, what would be clinically diagnosed as depression versus just having a stretch for a couple weeks and being down in the dumps and just feeling like you can't catch a break and and it's and it's taking a and it's having an impact on you like is there a difference and does it matter i guess is part the other part of that well again you know if somebody is is having several bad days and just feeling you know woe is me and i just can't catch a break but they're still able let's say when they get good news Mm -hmm. to to be happy about it 
um, to enjoy something. Let's say in the middle of this slump, uh, their kids come home and tell them that they've won and they've gotten an award and they can be happy about that, then that's not depression. So, okay. depre so depression, uh, when you are clinically depressed, you are unable to reach any kind of fulfillment or joy. Right. Is that part of right. it? Okay. Yeah. So just it's basically like you've got these dark glasses on and nothing looks good to you. You're just basically down. And so even if you get what would ordinarily be good news, you can't appreciate it. You can't find the joy. Okay. That makes sense. And if you feel that you are this way or your spouse is this way, and I guess first, if you are the one who is depressed, would you even uh, be aware or cognizant of it and with the ability to take action on it? Or does this require huh. outside assistance? And if you think it's your spouse, uh, what do you do about that? Okay, that's an interesting question. Uh, so let's talk about it if it's yourself, okay? okay. So one of the earmark symptoms of depression is having no energy and no motivation. So depending on the degree of your depression, you may or may not be able to ask for help or go for help because you may not have the motivation or the energy to do so. Mm -hmm. um, and very often people don't like to self-reflect and think negatively of themselves. And so, you know, they may not do anything or they may not notice anything until it's really bad. And if it's really bad, as I said, they're not going to have the energy or the motivation to go do anything. And so it may require an intervention from somebody who cares about you or who loves you. Um, if it is a spouse or a mate or, you know, somebody who's um, aware of it, then you have to approach the individual and say, you know, I've been noticing, you know, that you've seemed really sad lately, um, that this has been going on for a while and I'm concerned about you. You know, do you want to talk about it? And, and I think that it's important for people to know um, that people cannot just snap out of this. Um, it's not something they're doing purposely. Mm -hmm. um, and if you attempt to approach them with the attitude of, you know, we used to call it years ago, there was a movie Moonstruck where the person was depressed and she would just sort of like slap him and say, come on, let's get going. Mm -hmm. The person who's depressed moves very slowly. Um, many times it's, it's so bad they literally cannot get out of bed in the morning. It could take them hours to get washed and get dressed and none of that is being done intentionally so you have to have a real patience here's the good news depression is the easiest of all the mental disorders to um, be dealt with it has the the highest um, rate of being taken care of and that can be remedied Okay. So when you approach the person, the what I will say to my clients is, you know, it's like trying to run a race with bricks on your feet. You know, why why should you have to live with this kind of heaviness every day? There's ways to work with this, um, and depending on the uh, type of depression you have, 
or, you know, if there is some depression in your family and there's a biological component to it, you may or may not need meds. Um, and a lot of people are resistant to medication. Mm -hmm. However, then what I say is if you were diabetic, would you take insulin? It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or that you're crazy. It may just mean that biologically, that's the way your system is. There's no shame in it. Although, unfortunately, in our country, a lot of people do still, you know, sort of like thumb their nose at people who have mental disorders. Mm -hmm. And when I'm teaching a class, I will often say, and I don't want you to raise your hands, I have no doubt that many of you sitting in this classroom are taking some form of medication for depression, for anxiety, you know, for um, attention deficit disorder, whatever. So when you, I'm going to stop you really quick. So when you uh, take a pharmaceutical to help with depression, what is it actually doing? Is it so I'm guessing depression triggers some sort of chemical thing going on in the brain that keeps you in that state? What happens is there is not enough serotonin in the brain. Okay. Um, and so what happens is, it, it, this, I'll try to be as um, simple as I can about this because it is, it's fairly complicated, but we release uh, certain chemicals in our brain and then the brain has a way of taking them back up. Well, if you don't have enough serotonin in your brain and it gets taken back up into uh, parts of our brain, then you end up depressed. And so what these um, antidepressants do is it blocks the process that um, uh, allows the brain to take the serotonin back up and it leaves more of it available in the brain. Okay. So therefore, uh, you are not as depressed okay. because we know that serotonin is involved um, in, in, with depression. Okay. And, and for those listening to this who think, um, I'm, I'm fine to go down that route if it gets to that point, are there alternatives where I can avoid pharmaceuticals if necessary? Um, there's, there's a lot of research now, newer research, which is saying that there is um, an indication that the stomach is involved. Uh, you know how you say you listen to your gut, you listen to your gut, mm -hmm. that if people have a better stomach system, mm -hmm. that that may be actually involved uh, in depression and, and so that this it's would, not all in the brain. And so this would be a reference to if people were Googling this, uh, the microbiome? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, there are some people who advocate for meditation because if you have more control over your system and learn how to calm your thoughts or how to let go of certain thoughts, that would uh, help a lot of people not get as depressed because a lot of times the thinking that you do uh, is what causes you to to be depressed. I mean, if you have thoughts like, I'm a loser, um, I'm never going to be successful, obviously, that's going to make you be depressed. So if you are playing certain, quote, tapes in your head that you have gotten from um, your childhood experiences, if you can learn how to control them, and there's different methods to learn how to control them, um, then you'd be less depressed. Um, there are, in psychology, there are different schools of thought as to why somebody ends up 
let's say in this case, being depressed. Okay. If there's a biological explanation, there's a cognitive explanation, there's a psychoanalytic explanation. And based on your theory as to what causes something, you're then going to treat it consistent with your theory. So if you think it's a biological explanation that you don't have enough serotonin, you're going to give medicine. Mm -hmm. If it's a cognitive explanation, which is the way you think, then I'm going to use a theory which gets you to think differently. Mm -hmm. If I'm a psychoanalytical thinker or theorist, I'm going to say, well, it has to do with your backgrounds, with your childhood. And I'm going to do therapy based on helping you understand your childhood and um, be able to change um, or heal from the way you thought about your childhood. Um, the point is this, depression can be remedied and people do not have to live with that really, really awful feeling. Now, I am the outside observer in this, you are the professional, but hearing you describe all those different uh, theories about what is the cause. Mm -hmm. um, as a as a journalist, I look at that uh, mound of information and I think to myself, why does it have to be one of those things? They seem that they could be interlaced. So, um, and often they are. And so, exactly. So, if you have a situation where something from childhood or the way that you think might be having that physiological reaction where now you aren't getting the serotonin to your brain and the mm -hmm. two are connected. Mm -hmm. So changing your thoughts could change the the way that the serotonin gets to your brain kind of a thing. Um, and, you know, I've been, like I said, we have some articles on our website that talk about this stuff as well. And some of the other things that I have seen other people discuss is... Um, support groups, um, having support groups that, so, you know, kind of like with divorce, when you surround yourself by people getting divorced, um, you find yourself bringing your brain as in that becomes an option for you as well. And you have a higher rate of divorce mm -hmm. if everybody surrounds yourself. So I'm also yes. assuming that if you're surrounding yourself with other people who are in this state of depression as well, that it's going to be a much more difficult time to lift yourself out of it when that is the world you live in. Um, and you can stop me if I'm wrong on this. And then the, another thing that I read was that exercise, um, mm -hmm. you mentioned diet, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, there was another one I wanted to mention. Oh, and, uh, the reduction of alcohol and drug intake that also can help, can, I say help, it can perpetuate, uh, your depression. Yes. And all of those have value. And so then it would probably make sense to go to somebody who is eclectic, and that's not a dirty word. Yeah. An eclectic therapist is somebody who draws from different types of therapy and will use various modalities um, based on the particular needs of the person. Uh, so when I'm working with somebody who's depressed, I can call on lots of different tools from different therapies. Mm -hmm. And one, I mean, I didn't mention it, but... Um you know, obviously going to a therapist or a counselor or psychiatrist or psychologist. And I'm assuming that there are people just like in who deal with marriage and dealing with couples in general, there are therapists who specialize in depression. 
Um, or, or is it just I, like one of those things that's easy? I to- don't know. I mean, I suppose there are, but I haven't. I haven't really come across that so much, Steve. I think that. Um, depression is generally one of the things that most therapists would deal with, you know, um, and that would be something among, like, I deal with depression, I deal with anxiety, Mm. I deal, you know, I don't know that many therapists would say that I have a practice that specializes in depression. Okay. And then what are some things that people... Uh, couples should keep in mind if they have found themselves in this situation, they're working on it uh, as they move forward to kind of clear the fog? Well, I think that the biggest thing to remember is, first of all, quite frankly, it's not um, an easy situation to live with because the person who's depressed basically doesn't want to be involved in anything. They're not interested in activities. Uh, It may affect their ability to work. Um, So it becomes, and I'd rather just say it flat out, it it becomes a a burden for their partner. Um, So what do you do? do? I mean, if you are, I mean, I'm like right off the top of my head, there would have to be this level of empathy where you think to yourself, like they, they're not themselves. They're not happy. Yes, that. What do you do if your spouse is the person who's depressed and you're just like, I can't live with this person? Well, I think that what you just said is really important, that you develop this level of empathy. And that's why, you know, I said before, the individual really, really cannot help it. You know, the difference between a mental disorder and a physical disorder, if your partner was, God forbid, in a car accident and you know, was now have to be in a hospital bed and couldn't do anything for themselves, you could see that. And you'd understand that you basically, as exhausting as it is, you would have to be the one to get the meals and to do all the chores and, you know, sort of take over. You know, with a mental illness, you can't see it. And so you start to like get resentful, but it really is not any different. Mm -hmm. The person who is depressed really cannot do anything. So it would help to have compassion, understand it, try to get them to therapy, encourage them by the reality, as I said, that this really remediates um, fairly quickly and well. Um, and in the meantime, get support for yourself. Have outside interests. You know, don't count on your partner in the short run to be the one that has been your partner and doing things with you. Uh, it's perfectly okay. Just like if you have somebody um, who is really ill, that you need certain things as the caretaker to provide for yourself, so that you can continue helping your your mate you're you're entitled to take care of yourself as well but if you're going to go into the situation being angry and resentful it's not going to be good for your partner it's not going to be good for for you it's not going to be good for the marriage so one of those things where it's tough to take care of somebody else if if you can't take care of yourself that's correct and you'll do a better job of it yeah right Um, i mean i think the biggest thing is that you really have to get the person uh to professional help so that's like step one. You think your spouse is suffering from depression, uh, find a way to get them to therapy. And, and would that be done? Um, I mean, you mentioned just getting them out of bed or showered and out the door might take hours. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts or tips or ideas on how you would actually get them to a, a therapy session? 
Well, you could, you know, you could say you're going with them as well. You can let them know that this is not their fault. You can assure them that you're going to be there with them. Um, that, you know, again, that everything you've read is that this is something that can be taken care of. There's no reason that they should have to feel like this, not blaming them, not making them like they're crazy. Um, you know, that sometimes things happen in life. You know, a lot of times people might have a biological predisposition for this and then stress triggers it. Um, we know that stress has a major influence in setting off both depression and anxiety. So somebody could have, especially if it's in the family, somebody could um, sort of be lurking, you know, having this. Mm -hmm. And then because of life, all of a sudden it gets triggered. Got it. Um, so, you know, if it gets normalized, so to speak, and not made like, oh my God, this is, you know, awful and terrible and what's wrong with you and blah, blah, blah. But like, okay, look, this is a challenge for us. And, you know, we're going to go through this together. And I'm here by your side. But your part is that you have to be willing, you know, to go and get, and get the help. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, so... I guess I wanted to ask about warning signs that somebody might be backsliding back into depression, how you could help with that. Now, as I as I think about this question a little bit more, I'm thinking, is this something where you kind of backslide into or is it you're fine one day and then boom, uh, you get stressed out, the serotonin doesn't reach your brain and now you're depressed again? Uh, I think it's going to depend on the person, Steve. Um, there are going to be some people who, you know, it could, it could start to go slowly. And then for some people, there's a major stress and boom. Um, and I think that, you know, you just sort of have to watch and you can't, I, I don't want people to be paranoid and think, of, you know, every little thing that happens, oh, it's starting again, it's starting again. I, I will say that there are some people where it does come and go mm -hmm. um and some people they have an episode and then you know it doesn't it doesn't ever happen again um so i wish i could have the people who are listening to this say oh okay you know so my partner got depressed and i never have to worry again or it'll happen and then we'll take care of it and it'll be fine i can't make that assurance um but again um it is something that can be taken care of. And if you start, if your partner has been depressed and you start to see again that they're starting to withdraw from activities, that the sex is getting not, there's not as much interest in the sex, that the food habits are changing, that there's trouble with the sleeping habits, those are telltale signs. And it's always easier to deal with any problem before it gets too big. You know, okay. it's like, you know, getting to cancer at stage one as opposed to stage four yeah it's you know as we're talking about a lot of this stuff i i think like do we need to think about mental health in the same ways that we think about physical health where it's lifestyle um you can't not exercise every day and think that you're going to lose weight or be fit in the same way that mental health you have to get proper sleep you have to eat a decent diet you have to do certain things surround yourself have a, a good record playing in your head well i think yeah i think all of those things helps with your mental health uh and unfortunately in today's world 
with the kind of fast-paced life that most of us live in in the United States and with all the um, news and the reality of today's world, it, it makes it a very stressful world for many of us. You know, that's why we're told don't don't listen to the news so much um, because it, it, it's just an unfortunate circumstance that there is so much negativity in the world. And for many people, it really affects them. It's hard to just sort of, you know, let it slide off your back. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, too. I was actually just having this conversation with some people about um, all the negative news in the world. And the interesting thing about this is not that uh, I agree, there is a lot of uh, negative news in the world, but it's been exacerbated by the distribution of content in the world. Yes. And it used to be that things in the world would happen um, and you would never find out or you'd find out um, over some some period of time. Mm -hmm. But now when things happen, not only do you know immediately when things are going down, but you can sometimes watch it streamed live, which is we are living in this world. And, and the other, yeah, we are living in this world that is just unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And when you then take into account the fact that particularly for newspapers, um, you know, there's that old saying of if it bleeds, it leads. And this is what they show. Um, Obviously not everybody, uh, shows everything and all that other stuff, but it does require, I think, a reset on the part of the consumer to have an understanding of what does this all mean. Let me put it into context and um, and understand that while this seems horrible and there are horrible things that happen, if mm-hmm. you look in a historical context, we're actually better off than probably any time in history when you look at the global scale of genocide and murder and crime and pretty much any metric that you want to measure we are better off um but it doesn't feel that way no that's correct that's correct and i think part of it is this lack of context context and understanding about how we can just get every single piece of information in every corner of the globe at all times and most of the time that information we get is bad stuff mm-hmm. um so I don't know what the solution is. I suppose part of it is seeking out positive information. Um, But I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's kind of hard. It's like, you know, you pass an accident and everybody has to turn to look at it because on the one hand, it makes you feel awful, but you can't, something about us makes us feel like we have to look at all the gory details. Um, Interestingly, um, if you go, let's say to Canada, they don't have the kind of news we have. They talk about uh, Miss Williams' cat got stuck in the tree and what they did to try to save the cat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think there's something about our country that really thrives on yellow journalism. Yeah. that's No, that's actually a good point. Um, and I, I think part of it, too, is... Uh, I, I guess part of it is like social media plays a role obviously, because you can seek out the information that you want through social media. And I I read a lot of reports about journalism and distribution and all that other stuff and how most people don't get their news from a newspaper directly. They get it mm-hmm. through a social channel first and yeah. foremost. Yeah. Um, I do think there is something to be said to be in, 
an informed citizen. I think that's actually a responsibility of being a citizen is to be informed. Um, but you, it, but it, it becomes, I guess this is part of the, we need to re-educate uh, the citizenry, the, the consumer of information on how to do it responsibly and properly not mm-hmm. to not to pick and choose sources but to understand what it all means yeah because we've talked about divorce like people would never know that divorce peaked in the late 1970s early 80s depending on when you want to calculate and people wouldn't know that homicide rates have been dra- dropping for over four decades mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel that way but that those are the actual facts right um so i i guess I'm trying to offer this ray of light that um, if you are able to look at this stuff in a particular way and in a particular context, um, it might not seem as grim, even though grim and bad things are happening. Yeah. And so, and if we go back to depression, one of the things that can help as well is trying to take more of a forest view as opposed to a tree view mm-hmm. and try to look at everything as opposed to you know one thing that happened that was really upsetting of course the problem is that what we know about the way depressed people think is that they have a very particular thinking style which is um everything is bad it's my fault and it's never going to change um so again once you've got that those glasses on that Mm -hmm. are very negative it really just casts everything in a very negative way uh do you do you have any final thoughts uh i I do okay i I knew you were gonna ask me and i did you're holding back i I know i would just um like to make sure that when if people decide that they're going to go on an antidepressant uh a couple of things number one most of them will not take hold for four to six weeks. So don't expect that you're going to have, you know, an immediate lift. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things. I, I, I'm sorry, I want to take this time to educate. Yeah. If, um, if you have an immediate reaction where you feel like you're jumping out of your skin, then you're probably allergic to that medicine and you need to let your doctor know that. Uh, however, you are changing the chemicals in your brain and so it's going to take a couple of days or weeks for your body to adjust to it so you might have a headache or you might feel a little nauseous that's nothing to be concerned about but if you have this immediate feeling of that you're jumping out of your skin that generally means that that's not the right med for you once you're on it it's going to take about four to six weeks for you to really get the full value now once you feel good on it most people forget that they felt really lousy. And so they think, okay, now it's time to come off. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I want to tell you is, please do not do that without a doctor weaning you. And there's what's called a shelf life. So you go off and you say, see, I'm great, I'm fine, because there's still some of the medicine in your system. And so, you know, you think you're fine, but you're really not. And do not go cold turkey. It has to be weaned because, again, you're dealing with a shift in the chemicals in your brain. So it's got to be done slowly. Okay. Uh, so, you know, really um, just 
I, th I think that there's a time, a place, and benefit from antidepressants, but you want to make sure that you're doing it in the proper way. Okay. So when you're messing around with the chemical balance of your brain, just don't treat it willy-nilly. <laughs> you got that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that makes that makes sense. And hopefully people um, really listen to that because that that's good advice. Um, okay. Well, this was I'm, – I'm – so happy that we finally discussed this in a more in-depth way uh, talking about depression today, Karen. So thank you so much. My pleasure. I'm, I'm glad we covered this. It was important. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so thank you guys for tuning in. But that will do it for this week. So I want to thank you, Karen. Um, and I want to remind everyone that you can get information about Karen on her website, drkarensherman.com. And as a reminder, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. She is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Uh, she is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Karen has her own show on the Sex Talk Radio Network called Take 5 to Empower Your Relationship. And in just five minutes, Karen will present a real relationship issue, tell you what's behind it and how to resolve it. Uh, of course, you can get this information on our website, hitchedmag.com. We have an experts tab where you can go and find Karen's uh, past contributions, uh, links to her website, links to her social. Um, you can submit questions to us through the social platforms. So um, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, whatever, whatever works for you, we are on there. Uh, we love hearing from you. And uh, yeah, until next time, that's going to do it. So one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right, that's going to do it. Take care, everybody. Hey, 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 are you ready? We look into each other's eyes. We know that it's